And now, Audio Theater Central. Hello, welcome to Audio Theater Central. This is the show that's all about family friendly audio drama. I'm JD, and this is episode 173. Now, I've uh, got my cup of coffee here with me, and I'm ready to just dive into some audio drama goodness with you, so I hope you'll stay with me. The weather is getting a little cooler here in the United States, fall is here, and uh, it's just a great time to be listening to some audio drama. Well, in this episode, we've got a review of King Jack from Lamplighter Theater. Roy will be joining me for that review here momentarily. And after that, I've got an interview with Caleb Bressler, the actor who played the antagonist in King Jack. And I've got a bunch of audio drama tidbits to get to here in a minute. But first of all, I just want to say I'm very thankful for you, the wonderful listeners of ATC, and you specifically. Thank you for listening to this show and supporting us all of these years. And I just want you to know from me personally, Thank you, and I appreciate you listening. And do me a favor. Tell somebody else about the show. All right, let's jump into the tidbits. Well, we're starting off on a bit of a sad note. Eric Basil let me know just recently that actor David Heath passed away. He was the voice of Moses on The Adventum and actually won a Seneca Award for that role in 2020. But you may know him as the longtime narrator for Paws and Tales. And uh, so it's a great loss to the audio drama community. And we will be having a tribute post on the ATC website coming up very soon with some thoughts and remembrances of David Heath from some of the people in the industry who worked with him. So keep an eye out for that at audiotheatercentral.com. And speaking of the website, I know that I've mentioned these recently, but because we are moving into the holiday season here, I wanted to mention them again real quickly that we do have a list of Thanksgiving audio dramas and a list of Christmas audio dramas, and they're linked right at the homepage. You'll see them right in the navigation bar, but I'm mentioning them specifically because I'd love for you to go take a look at them, and if you notice any good audio dramas that are missing from either of those lists, please let us know because we want to keep these lists updated and constantly add all of the good stuff that is coming out or some older stuff that we we may have missed. So let us know if you notice anything that is not included on that list that should be. Well, Pirateers season three has kicked off. Episode one released on October 31st, and it is available for you to listen to. Now, they are switching up their release schedule for this season, doing things a little bit differently from the previous two, and they're going to be just releasing episodes when they are completed rather than on a specific schedule. So the rest of the season is still in production. They're getting close on a few of the episodes, but no word exactly on when those are going to be dropping. So you just got to keep an eye on the website, eternalfutureproductions.com. And the rest of season three will be coming as soon as it is finished. Once all of the episodes are released, then they will be releasing the supercut of the entire season digitally and on CD. 
So again, all that information is at eternalfutureproductions.com. Another recent release, Shadows and Daylight, episode 11, is out now. The episode is titled The Eighth, and it is available to stream on Dramafy. You can purchase an MP3 or join their Patreon for access to all of the episodes, plus bonus content like deleted scenes. That is all at their website, shadowsanddaylight.ca. Remember that, shadowsanddaylight.ca, not .com. The season one finale, episode 12, titled Beauty from Ashes, is coming very, very soon as well. They will also be doing some live listen parties, so you can listen through the entire season live with other listeners. And so those are going to be happening. So what you need to do is go to the website, join the mailing list to learn more and be notified when those are going to be broadcast. Again, website is shadowsanddaylight.ca. Well, this next item I am really, really excited about, and that is because it is about Greenhorn Tales, Torchlight Family Media's own comedy show. If you haven't checked it out yet, all of season one, 10 whole episodes were released last year in 2021. And prior to that, the pilot episode, which set up the whole series, was released even before that. So all of those are available to listen to for free at greenhorntales.com and on Dramafy. But this year we are dropping a Christmas special. I'm so excited. This episode was written by Christopher Green and it is entitled Portraits and Poinsettias. It's going to be a fun, fun episode. We're going to be visiting the town of Bristol again with Cam and Nick, and Jessica is also in this episode, and a few other interesting folks from the town there. It's a fun holiday story, and we hope it'll bring you some laughs, but that will be coming soon, and all you got to do is keep your eye on greenhorntails.com or Dramafy, and that will be coming to you as soon as it's finished. All of the main actors are already recorded, and so it's 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 coming together really nicely. So, again, stay tuned for that. Also coming up this Christmas season, Faithfield Stories, their Christmas episode. We've mentioned this in the past. It's called The Innkeeper's Son, but it is slated to release the week before Thanksgiving. So keep an eye on their website. Link is in the show notes, and that will be coming very, very soon in just a few weeks. And another short audio drama that will be coming out very soon is from the Audio Drama Alliance. It is a comedy. It is called Senior Sawyer, and it uh, explores the idea of what an elderly Tom Sawyer might be like. So that is going to be a lot of fun. That'll be coming soon, and it'll be posted at audiodramaalliance.com. So keep an eye out for that one as well. And another entry in the upcoming releases category, and that is the Adventures and Odyssey team was in Hollywood just recently at the end of October recording new episodes, and they they shared that they had just recorded a club episode that'll be showing up in 2023, and it is titled Mile 151, and this one will feature Zoe, Buddy, and Jay as they adopt a highway in Odyssey and get a bit carried away. It was written and directed by Marshall Younger, and it looks like Zack Schneider 
one of the new members of the team over there will be the sound designer for it. And he also engineered the recording of this episode. So that's going to be fun. And then, as if it weren't enough to have a fun episode featuring Jace Mouse, we also found out Chris Anthony Lansdowne announced that she's making an appearance in this episode as Mrs. Randolph. So that's so cool. I love that character, even though she only shows up in a handful of episodes over the years. It's always fun. And I like hearing Chris as some other character besides the host, you know, she's such a great talent. It's a shame that they don't use her more often in other roles, but that's one to look forward to coming up in the AIO club in 2023. Well, that'll do it for the audio drama tidbits. Let's get Roy here in the studio and let's talk about Lamplighter Theater. You are the God of the broken, the friend the feet of the weary embrace the ones in need I want to be like you Jesus to have this heart in me you are the God of the humble you are Well, are you ready to talk about King Jack? Let's do it. This one was released in March of 2022, and it has a runtime of just over an hour and a half. So uh, we're down from the uh, massive release of The Hidden Hand right. down to a, a normal length. <laughs> yeah. Not even two hours, only an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, we gave him too much last time. <laughs> <laughs> so this one was interesting because it had such a long bookend at the beginning. Yes. Which I loved. And it, you know, it's picking up from where things were left off the last time. Right. I'm liking this second story going on with Finian. Yes. Along yes. with our regular book story. In the right. <laughs> yep. And speaking of that, we have a summary. That's right. See if I can step in some big shoes here. <laughs> All right. Jack Hamilton travels to a new school where everything he is taught will be challenged. Dubbed King Jack for his excellence in running, swimming, and playing cricket, he quickly rises in popularity. But then a foolish promise leads to broken relationships, and Jack faces the ultimate trial. He knows that God will show him what is right and the way to do it, but he struggles to control his temper. Stick to the truth and bide your time, says Cyril Fane, a truth easier said than done. Join Jack as he learns the secret to humility through life's fiery trials. Yeah, and this poor kid went through a lot of stuff. Oh, man. I couldn't imagine these these kids, their parents, both of his parents, because of the war. Yeah. Relieving. And he just takes it like a man, little man. He's like, I'll be strong. I know. Yeah. Do they ever, they don't ever say his age, do they? No, they don't. So what, what do you guess? He's probably like uh, 12. Yeah. 
ish. Yeah, and his sister was I don't know, five or six, I think, just based off of the voice. I was yeah. trying to place her age uh-huh. the entire time for some reason. Like, how old is she? And she's young enough to still be carrying around a dolly, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not familiar with this actress who voiced her, but goodness, it was such an adorable little sound. So cute. <laughs> so cute. She doesn't like being held by one arm, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the bookend, if we can, real quick. Was it too much Finian-ness going on for you? Was it like too much sugar on the on the cake? No. Really? I, 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 I kind of liked it. I really do like it. And I, I love it every time the whole like, you, you, no, you, which is great. But it felt almost like there was just too much, too much of it, which it's classic yeah. Finian stuff. It was, it's very, it's, it's awesome. But it just kept happening over and over and over again. So, but which, which is it? I mean, which isn't bad, but it just felt like too much sugar. I was getting sweeted out on it. Are you talking about specifically the Hugh joke or just all of it? Well, you know, yeah, all of his little sayings. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Hugh jokes, and then you know, obviously the sign is always something, some good little saying, right? And then, but it kept on going, like, oh, you're repeating me now. Oh, you know, okay, you know, yeah, yep. You know what? It didn't. It didn't bother me until now you're saying that, and I can totally see how you would have that opinion. Yeah. I love it. I love I love it. I love his character. I love those little things, but I just felt like there's just a little too much of it. But Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. That's fine. So the story itself was written by Mark Hamby, Kathy Buchanan, and Molly Mayo. The bookend was written by Mark Hamby alone. So- I can't recall. I know he's had his hand in the bookends for the last several releases, um, but I can't remember if this is the first one that he has written alone mm. or not. But you're right that there was more of that kind of stuff in this one than there usually is. So that's probably why. Yeah, it's it's Mark Hamby who's who really likes the character <laughs> apparently and likes to do those fun things with it. <laughs> Man, John Fornoff, he's he's popping up everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was interesting too because he plays this character in the bookend, but he is not on the crew of this one at all. Right. Yeah, which was interesting. Totally flipped roles, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. I thought for sure I was going to hear him somewhere else or hear him in, in the in the crew list, but right. Because to be honest, I thought that the the bookend. To be honest, I yeah, this is a side note. I hate when people say that. To be honest, well, you're lying to me the rest of the time. Yeah. And it just slipped in my own vocabulary. Get it out. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm honest all the time. <laughs> I thought the bookend was John Fornoff because it sounded like him on steroids, just like having fun. I'm like, yeah, this is John Fornoff. He's just having way too much fun on this because <laughs> he's he's great at writing that stuff. But yeah, he's nowhere to be found. He's just got his classic old man voice or I don't know if he's an old man, but older, gruffer man voice on. Yeah. <laughs> and he did a great job with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The character awesome. Ken Carlisle. Yeah. And of course, Jess Harnell as, as Finian Jones. Now, our sound designer was Alan Hurley, music by John Campbell, and it was directed by Mark Hamby. And apparently, they uh, they brought in the students of the, the Guild again as production assistants. And as per usual, the last uh, few years, they're recording at their studios there in Mount Morris, New York. And Finian, or I should say Jess, he's recorded in Hollywood. He doesn't uh, fly out to New York just for his Finian <laughs> role. <laughs> Now, I, I do acknowledge that you have a point there, uh, but 
in the opening bookend, there was a couple of lines that I'm like, Ooh, oh, I love that. Yeah. And Finian's like, even though it starts as a little bit of a joke, he says, it's all about the name. Yeah. There's power in the name. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. I like that. His delivery on that was great. Yes. Yeah. And cause Ken's like the name, you know, he's confused. Right. And then Finian drives home the point, you know, and it was just like, ooh, that's good stuff. He's already in a state of massive confusion. And then he's like even more confused. <laughs> he's like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those great, great lines in there. And then one that's not uh, not of uh, the same vein, but <laughs> when Ken says something about the, the fake beard and robe, and he's like, the beard is fake, but I can assure you the robe is real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beard. Yeah. Camel mustache hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> Love the rooms, the the mushroom. Wait, what am I talking about? That's not a room at all. And then standing room only. Oh, man. right, good stuff, good stuff. I had in in my notes the uh, the ballroom. Yeah, it's too bouncy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when he starts naming off the different rooms. It's great. Yeah. It it just makes the whole place bigger, even bigger right. than what it already is in our imagination, you know, because he's not even listing things that we've even heard of before. Like, I know. We've never been in any of those rooms. I, well, I was trying to think, have they ever, it seems like every time it's always a new room. Yeah. Do they ever mention ones that I've already mentioned before? Oh yeah. Good like, point. I don't know. Has there ever, I think they've mentioned maybe like a throne room yeah. a couple okay, of times, Yeah. yeah. but usually- if I remember correctly, it's it's usually they're mentioning completely new room. Maybe he redecorates the rooms yeah. and changes them all the time. <laughs> Since it's all like uh, CGI, right? We're like, <laughs> oh, is that what it is? There you go. Yeah. They're all digital. Maybe yeah. it's not even a real actual. Hmm. Now there's a thought, Roy. I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. This exploratorium has different levels yeah. and layers to it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> And it has a new invention. Yeah. The defibrillator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Gotta love it. And the defibrillator had a JavaScript error that caused the machine to swallow a boy. <laughs> Avia Jade. That was, that was hilarious. Oh, man. And like I said, this was a, one of the longer ones. We mm-hmm. had a 10-minute yeah. opening bookend. Right. And uh, I, I liked it. And- I don't want to spoil, you know, too much of the what's going on in the bookends. And we'll but we'll talk a little bit about the ending bookend later, but I do like this storyline you, you mentioned a moment ago. This storyline that's going on. It's cool, but the problem is that there's so much time in between the releases. Yes. It's taking so long to yeah. progress. Right, and you almost forget what happened to the last one in yeah. the last bookend. Well, I had to go listen to the right. bookend from the last one to get the context because I right. was like I remembered bits of it, but I was like, "Oh, I forgot about that part, you know." Right. So then we get into the main body of the story and we have the Hamilton family. And we have Daniel Cross, who has been on the show, not just Lamplighter, but he's yeah. been on ATC, yeah. <laughs> uh, playing Mr. Hamilton, or I guess Colonel Hamilton. And uh, now this is something that I noticed in uh, his role on Freedom, William Bradford and the American Pilgrims. Again, he's playing a British man, but it's a very, very light accent. I thought the same exact thing, yeah. And I'm not sure why. He, he's doing that because he does play other characters. He plays the doctor in here with a a, a pretty strong Scottish accent. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and then he also plays Mr. Jones, who uh, owns the the stables yep. there, and um, he's got a, a it's it's more of a Cockney accent almost. Um, but you know, as Jack's dad, it's not a very thick accent, and in some places, it didn't even sound like there was an accent. Right, especially back to back with with Jack's voice. You know, Jack has a like thick, well, not thick, but has the, you could tell it's a British accent. Mm-hmm. You can tell. And then his dad comes in and, and it just doesn't quite match the same. It kind of, I, I, it jarred me a little bit, but yeah. I'm like, ah, okay. It works. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. If they were just trying to differentiate him more mm-hmm. from the other characters that he plays in the story. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know if that was the, the best choice. Sure. That's my opinion, but. I mean, because that's exactly what really made it stand out to me too. What you said is these conversations with his son where Jack has a, you know, a a standard, you know, a British accent and his is not really present. So where's the, because kids learn to talk from their parents, right? You know, exactly. So where is he getting this accent from? And I thought also, well, maybe at first I was thinking, well, maybe he was from another country and- but but he's in the British military, so I don't know. I'm trying to make up a backstory sure. to rationalize yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, spent most of his time in America for some reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, it's it's not necessarily a negative. No. on the show, but not at all. Um, it, it it stood out to me. Yeah, we don't even hear from that much from yeah. him that much. Yeah. So yeah. And speaking of uh, the rest of the Hamiltons, Sarah Prinovo, who's actually on staff there at Lamplighter. And uh, she is uh, an actress, and she plays Mrs. Hamilton. And Flossie, the little sister of Jack, is played by Elsie Bowers. We mentioned her earlier, but man, just a great voice. Perfect for that character, I think. Yeah. And then we have Jack. Now, I think this is a spoiler alert, and all by itself. So consider (laughs) yourself spoil alerted. (laughs) But And I know this this is standard practice sometimes in the U.K., but Jack is played by Gracie Shin, a lady. And she'll come on at the very end and, and does the credits and blew my mind. I'm like, who is this girl talking? And she's like, and I played Jack. I said, get out <laughs> of here. That is crazy. Totally blew my mind. Oh, man. I've, I sincerely hope that you have heard this before I have just told you because it just – it was the best – spoiler of the or the best surprise of the whole show for me i was like that's amazing and i know i know it happened i think they do it a lot more in the uk probably they do here in america but uh it reminded me jd and i were talking about it, it reminded me of um who's the character on nelson us? nelson yeah i remember looking up nelson on the aio wiki and it was this picture of this lady i'm like wait is, the, is this is this wrong like, what's going on here I'm like <laughs> they're like no that's I'm like no that's who plays that that's crazy it's amazing so but amazing job could not tell it all man pulled it off incredible job yeah it blew me away too i i totally did not expect it here's here's what happened to me though i had looked through the the credits beforehand ah uh. But it was a while before I actually went and finally listened to it, and yeah. I forgot which character it was. Got it. And so I knew that there was a female playing the, a role that was a, a boy, but I couldn't remember which character it was. And then I heard one character, Abe, in there, and I'm like, okay, there's there's the character that the girl is playing. And then I get to the end at the credits, and I'm like, oh, wait. No, she did play Abe, but she also played yeah. Jack. Yeah. And- 
I totally could not tell <laughs> at all. And she she did a fantastic job. Amazing. It was really, really well done. I almost wish that she would have like just changed her voice into Jack's at the end during the credits. And oh, I played, yeah. You know, like totally went into that voice just to prove it. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm not getting Jack's voice out of her, out of her natural voice. It's, yeah. it's so good. <laughs> you know what is funny that you mentioned that, though, is – she does slip into an accent a couple of times in the credits. Oh. Like she doesn't do, she's not doing the voice, Yeah, but she does slip into an accent on a couple of words. That's funny. Like the, the British R sound yeah. on a couple of them, but not all of them. Yeah. So I, I, I picked up on that and I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. Oh man. Great job to Gracie Shin. I'm playing Jack on this, this album. Yes. So, uh, one thing that jumped out at me is, um, as we heard in the, uh, in the summary, Jack has to go to this new school. And the whole reason for that is because his, his dad is in, in the military and had to go off to India for military duty. And so he meets this kid, this other kid at the school named Cyril, and he has tuberculosis. And I was thinking, you know, that's something you don't hear about these days, Hmm. but years ago, even as recently as, you know, the early 1900s here in America, that was a very serious condition and it was, you know, no light thing. And I just kind of was thinking, you know, wow, we have come a long way, you know, in, in certain areas in, in modern medicine that, you know, it's not like something that people worry about these days. Right. The whole iron lung that was that came from tuberculosis, right? Like you had to, some people had to be put on the iron lung because of tuberculosis. Yeah, I think I know. think so. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And Nato Jacobson, man, all over the place in this right here. <laughs> <laughs> Classic lamplighter style. We've got uh, five people in the cast, and they're playing every uh, twenty people on. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So Nato plays Cyril, the character I just mentioned. He also plays the the headmaster of the school, Mr. Mm-hmm. Hartley. Sounds great. And uh, yeah, great stuff. I, I actually, I have mixed feelings about that character. Which one? Cyril? Mr. Hartley. Really? Because it's like, on one hand- You almost want him to be harsher. Not that, not the- No. Uh, oh, really? On one hand, it's like, I understand he, he needs to run a tight ship. It's a boys school, you know, got to keep everybody on track. But then on the other hand, it's like, he's kind of not being very fair to this poor kid. You know, it's like, you think- he should investigate a little bit more right. about what's going on because this character, Harold, is constantly just being a bully and picking on Jack continually and doing all kinds of stuff. And you would think that after a while, it's always these two kids and maybe look into it a little more to find out what's happening, you know? And and also, Harold does all this stuff in front of the other boys and nobody ever sticks up for him, never tells Hartley about what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. And at first they're just kind of keep telling Jack, oh, just let it go. You know, basically don't let him get to you or whatever. But he's not the one that they're – or they're not the one that he's picking on. It's Jack, you know. Well, especially because in the beginning, the boys tell him that Mr. Hartley is fair. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's what you have going into it. And then after you start seeing these scenes between, you know, what his punishment comes down as, it's like nothing but fair. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. He's not, he doesn't, you know, investigate further. He has his suspicions that, yeah, yeah okay, I, I know this boy. And uh, 
When I said harsh, harsher, I thought we were talking about the quality of the voice, but you're talking about the character of. Uh, yes. Kind of, yeah. Uh, oh, so d- did you have a thought on the, the no, performance of the voice? No, no, no. I was just thinking about it because sometimes I didn't know if he was going to be, if Mr. Hartley's supposed to be like the gentle giant or if he's supposed to be more like, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or harsher. On, but I think it was a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, the method of using letter writing in a story to kind of help narrate parts of it? Because sure. Jack is several times throughout, he's writing letters to his parents, but it's not, you know, it's for the benefit of us as the right. listener to, yeah. to understand what's going on or to share things with, that they don't have to depict every little detail in the story. Obviously, this is not a new technique. I mean, this has been done, you know, many, many times over and over in different audio dramas. Um, but I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that. The part that gets me every time is the sound of the writing. Oh, yeah. And I've heard it done before. I think it was even Focus. Oh, yeah. In Little Women, where the lady's like narrating like, and the writing's like, man, she's writing awfully fast. It always throws me every time. Like, you, there's no way you can keep up. I'm sorry. Or, uh, an average person does not write that fast, especially if they're using ink and quill. Like, you know, it's not going to be. And so the balance between the writing sound and the narration part just throws me for a loop. Oh. Like, I understand what's going on. Yeah. I get it. Like, and I understand, I understand having the sound effect there. They're writing a letter. Sure. I totally get it. Yeah. But it never matches. I mean, think about it. It would take too long. You couldn't do it if yeah. you wanted to do it properly, if you so, wanted to do it right. That is a good point, and I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah. So it's like maybe having to strike a balance between reality versus sacrificing a little bit of the reality for the sake of the story and and flow or something. Right. Me and J.D. are recording a podcast. All right. I was like, you don't see it, but I'm doing it with my, my hand, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I'm like trying to keep up with writing, like saying, you know, what writing as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that that's is... the only thing that throws me off every time. But for the sake of the time, you could, you couldn't slow it down that long. It would sound, you would, you know, you'd have to, it'd have to, you'd have to like make the person start like just reading the letter, like, and just cut it like halfway, you know, cut it like after the third or fourth word. Okay. They're writing a letter and we yeah. don't hear what the rest of it is. Yeah. But what's the right way to do it? I think you hit on something because you're right. It's 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 for the sake of the story and not yeah. necessarily – because sometimes, you know, realism in a story doesn't make sense. So I think right. you're, you hit on something and that is probably why a lot of times they'll start out like that and then they'll switch over to the other perspective of the recipient of the letter. Yes. Then reading it. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. It wouldn't work in this case with right. this story. Right. But – that's probably why they do that. Probably. Yeah. Very observant there, Roy. I hadn't never even considered that. I'm glad I brought this up because I was <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's something I've heard lots of times that I've just never really thought too much about. I specifically remember as a kid, it was the little women focus on the family. It's the uh, nanny taking care of the little women um, or that the lady there, whatever she was, because uh, Marmy went off to be with. Papa at mm-hmm. the war, taking care of the people at the war. And she's dictating this letter and you got the sound effect in there. And it's like, wow, she's writing, she's writing pretty fast, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But the, my, my issue is like, how do, how, how do you do it right? How does, how's the right way? Like maybe just like 
everybody understands like, okay, yeah, they're writing a letter. It's, it's going to be off. It's not going to be matching what they're saying. Everyone just accepts it. Yeah. It doesn't not matter that much probably. <laughs> probably to most people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm surprised that I've never thought about that that version of it because I've definitely thought about the modern version where you hear typing on a keyboard. Uh-huh. And I, I know some people can type super, super fast. Right. Yeah. But mo- not everybody. Most people can't type super, super fast. Right. And it's always clickety click, 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 yeah. click, 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 <laughs> you know. So that's one thing I have picked up on. So yeah, yeah you're, you're looking at the, the older version of yeah, that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I don't think there is really yeah. another way that you could. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Other, otherwise, it just would get boring. Exactly. Or right. you just have to just not use that technique at all. Yeah. And it works. It does, it does. work. Yeah. It's almost like a little bit of sleight of hand in there, you know, we're creating the illusion, you know, so, and everyone's paying attention to the voice uh-huh. and there's this little bit of sound in the background. So it just works. Yeah. Yeah. Sleight of hand audio drama. There you go. Right. <laughs> sleight of ear. Yeah, sleight of ear. There you go. <laughs> now, some of the scenes in the boarding school kind of reminded me of some of the early parts of David Copperfield. I don't know how many of our, our listeners are familiar with that story. If you're not in backstage, uh, you should join backstage and you can hear me reviewing the BBC version of uh, David Copperfield. But they're not super similar. I mean, the stories are completely different, of course, but just some of the things that happened, it kind of just brought that story to mind. Uh, Just a a kid that gets picked on by other kids at the the boarding school. Right. And I'm sure that was probably a thing that actually happened a a lot because that was a big part of that culture was to send your kids off to – Boarding school, a lot of people did it. Right. It's not something that happens super often unless you're extremely wealthy here in the U.S. You right. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we should say that uh, that horrible bully, Harold Harold Smythe, was played by Caleb Bressler. And astute listeners may recognize that, that name because he read the credits for this podcast a while back. There we go. Here's our man. Yes. <laughs> now- I guess while we're we're talking about little nitpicky things, <laughs> I'll bring up a couple here. I won't specify all of them because I don't want to get too much I- into a spoiler territory, but there were a few of the scenes that were – so I'm not talking about like huge plot points necessarily, but some scenes, it was like they were a little bit too telegraphed. Like I could totally see where they were going. It was a little bit predictable. Huh. I'll just mention a couple here and and just a little bit of heads up. These are mi- little minor spoilers, but one particular was when Jack is talking all about getting ready to leave for the holiday and telling everybody about all the stuff that he's planning to do and all this stuff. I knew at the moment where he, cause he, he was building it up so much. I knew that there was something that was going to happen that he wasn't going to get to go. Sure. And uh, another one was then when the headmaster there, um, Mr. Hartley says, Someone else was going to have to stay. I knew yeah. it was going to be Harold. Like yeah. that's the only way this story could go. <laughs> yeah. So, and there were several little things like that throughout. That it just there was no surprise or suspense in it. Like I knew where things were going. Sure, it's like classic bully story, right? Classic, yeah. like, You know, schoolhouse story. Yeah, yeah. Schoolyard in a lot of ways. Yeah, but they took the temper angle. I think on you know they talked about temper more than you know, which is really good. Yeah. 
which just recently there was a, a man in our church, we were doing VBS together and he was scheduled to teach a lesson and it was, had to do with temper. And he said, I, I just thought of this, but I'm not gonna be able to work it, work it into my lesson. But he gave me like a mini, like just talking to him. I got like this whole little mini study on temper just blew my mind. And I had to, every, every chance I've gotten, I've like shared it with somebody, but it was so good. He was just talking about like how temper is, how they use temper is from people who worked with metal and uh, blacksmiths uh-huh. and different metals have different tempers. Yeah. And that's where that word comes from. And to have a temper is a good thing. You want to be able to have a temper when you're heated up, you want to be able to bend. When you have a bad temper, when a piece of metal has a bad temper is when it breaks under the heat. It just like blew my mind. I had never heard this stuff before, you know, because you always hear, oh, don't lose your temper. Well, that's where that comes from is when you're under the heat, don't break, don't snap. Like, oh, you know, he was uh-huh. just he was just sharing this with me and just me and my wife were just like, this is amazing. And so the, they're talking about temper and I couldn't couldn't help but just think of that whole analogy yeah. he, and, and how where that came from during this whole thing. It was so good. You know, Jack's under the, the heat of this and he he does lose his temper in, yeah. in, in here. And that breaking point happened. And so good. So good. Yeah, that's that's good to bring that up because, you know, a lot of people have heard the term like tempered steel or right. tempered glass. Yeah, or, you know, exactly. It all relates all to related, each other. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. You don't you don't think of it relating to each other, but it does. It's amazing. Yeah. Aren't etymologies yeah. interesting? <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's also like the the word a distemper, it, yeah. you know, is right. is a negative connotation to right. it. You know, it's like, yeah. That's great stuff to bring up. Yeah. yeah. And spoiler alert, he does learn to master it <laughs> yeah. throughout the course of this story, which is something that you probably expected because they they're not going to just leave right <laughs> leave. <laughs> so we mentioned John Campbell did the music for this one. Oh man. And it was really good throughout. A lot of it sounded very John Campbell, but there were a few scenes that really stood out to me and one in particular was the music for the scene. I'm not going to spoil this, but there's a telegram that comes from India and there's a scene where Mr. Hartley is talking with Jack and the music in that scene was just perfect. Oh, it, it fit the mood just right. And there was, it's actually quite a long piece of music in that scene. And it, you know, it works its way all the way through the end and then turns into a transition, but it was just, oh, it just fit perfectly. And I love it when you hear those, that just, it fits the mood, the cadence of the speech that's going on in the scene. It all just meshes. It was really, really good. Yeah. And I think a few things I, I noticed with his music on this time around, maybe he's done before, but, but I just heard him. And the bookends, he did it. And a few times in the story, he did it. And I don't know if he's called them hits before, but it's when like the actor is saying, uh, in the beginning, it was Finney and he's going, bop, bop, bop. His word, his cadence is going like that, but the uh-huh. music is matching it behind him. Duh, duh. It's hitting right behind his words. And it's just perfect. And it happens a few more times in the story itself. Oh, that is just perfect. They just lined it up. You know, the, a classic example of the composer and the producer, everyone working together just perfectly. Yeah. You know, we lined up the cadence of this. You know, we want you to say it just like this. And then John Campbell came right behind it and just matched the music to time it to hit those and just make the whole scene just pop. Yeah. I thought those those moments with John's music were just incredible. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be careful with that kind of stuff too because you could overdo oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so just finding that right balance. Yeah. Because 
a lot of times the music is used to punctuate the dialogue. Right. And it can be done really well, but it could also be done very badly as well. <laughs> yeah. And so we know John Campbell's a master. Like oh, he's been yeah. doing this for a long, long time. So he knows what he's doing. And it's it's just uh, really, really awesome when you, when you hear those moments. You know, we've said this before, the average listener, you're not necessarily supposed to notice <laughs> the sound design right. or the, the scoring right. in a lot of places because it's supposed to be integrated so well into the story and the performances of the actors that you're just pulled into the story. But people like you and me who are avid fans of this stuff and we yeah. love getting lost in the details. We're nerds, JD, yes. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I think the the nice term is we're audio drama critics. Oh, so there you we, go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we definitely pick up on those things. And and so when you get those moments where it just flows, you're just yeah. like, it just puts a smile on my face. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned Cyril a moment ago and uh, he's played by NATO and it, he's just a great character. He's just like the perfect balance to, to Jack's hot temper. And he's this poor kid who's, you know, dealing with this disease, but he is just like super chill. <laughs> yeah. And that balance to Jack too, like, the, you know, I've dealt with issues in my life, this is how I've overcame them and like giving Jack some, some wisdom and just knowledge how to handle his situation. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I can't talk about that, but plays an important role in the, in the climax of the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God using his situation, you know? So here's something that I, I was thinking about, because I've listened to this audio drama more than once. And every time I'm like, where where is the line between being meek and non-confrontational, but also not being a doormat hmm. for somebody and just letting people walk all over you and, right. and, and, and standing up for yourself? Right. Because- it really bothered me how much this poor kid was like, and and I, I did mention Mr. Hartley earlier. Um, he was fine as a character. You know, there were a couple times where I was like, man, couldn't you have done a little bit more? It was mostly Harold that I'm talking about here. Yeah. It was just constant. And it's like, yes, Jack needed to control his temper, not fly off the handle and start pummeling somebody or something like that. And And yes, he does need to. Respect authority because the authority of the school was Mr. Hartley, but he would never even just tell the full story. He he would always just – as soon as he was questioned, he would just immediately say, yes, sir, you know, it was – you know, and he would never stand up for himself. And I'm like, hmm, I know the point, yeah. the lesson that they're trying to teach with a story. Yeah. And I agree with it. Yeah. But I am also, on the other hand, I feel bad for the kid, yes, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> I was never like bullied like a lot of kids – are in school, but I was picked on, uh, you know, I don't know why I was uh, the nerdy redheaded kid, you know? And so maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe that was, you know, I had big old glasses even from, from the time I was a little kid. So, you know, I was one of those kids that got picked on occasionally. Like I said, it was never terrible bullying. Like a lot of people have to deal with and nothing like what Jack is, is facing in this story. But I, I do relate with some of the things that were happening to him. And so, on one hand, it was just like, huh, I just I just don't know. Ultimately, the story is going to play out and, you know, things are going to work out. But Right. And, and and this particular story, they're showing how, like, 
God had a plan for all of this mm-hmm. and it all worked together. But in real life, yeah, how does it all work out? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm wondering, is this teaching kids to be too much of a pushover? Ah, uh, uh, uh-huh. We know that Odyssey has dealt with this before, uh, done episodes about bullying. Right. And, um, you know, it's not been just one, you know, there's been times where they talk about, you know, you know walking in the, the bully's shoes, you know, we had that yeah. whole scenario with the, uh, it wasn't the room of consequence. It was the, what was that invention called where they had the guy's shoes? You know what I'm talking I about, right? About, yep. Another man's shoes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you know, so they have those, there's been lessons and, and they've been a good balance of, yeah. you know. Because uh, the main point being, usually bullies are a bully for a reason. And, this mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah. Which is the case here too. Yeah. But um, anyway, I'm I'm probably beating a dead horse here, but it just uh, it was something that kind of was like, hmm, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering about that. Uh, that does relate to the story too, J.D. Are you, spoiler alert on the <laughs> beating dead horses. <laughs> <laughs> The only- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> the Freudian slip. Yes. <laughs> no, I I totally understand what you're saying, and especially because in this in this story, he goes to the authority in his life. It's like there's not much help in mm-hmm. in most in most kids' scenario. The authority would help them through the situation. In this one, it's like. The headmaster is for him in some scenes. Like that's this is the one balance in in this story that that was interesting is in some scenes like Mr. Hartley likes him and wants him to succeed and everything. And in other scenes, he's like, "No, I got to have to expel you. You're not coming back ever again." You know, and it's like, well, where's the balance in all this? You know, like he, so yeah, and especially because they already said he's fair. We didn't hear, you know, and I don't know what the book's like, but we didn't hear, you know, him investigating. Harold's, you know, side of this, that, that side of the story. Yeah. We're only hearing, and he's, all he says is like, well, all I have to, all I have is uh, your name on this slip of paper and what you told me. I don't even know if I can believe you, you know, in this kind of, and like, yeah. And especially because we know the other side of the story. Right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. hard. I mean, there was a, at the, the first time where he does get in trouble, he says, well, this is your first offense. So I'm going to basically just let mm-hmm. you off with extra, was it kitchen duty or right, something like right, that? Right. So the insinuation from that was that, Normally, if this would have been anybody else, they would have been expelled. Yes, but I'm going to let it slide this, you know. Right. So, yeah, it, it's a complex thing, I guess, is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm not necessarily saying it's a terrible story at all. I mean, no, I, I, no. I really did enjoy it. But this is just uh, some of the things that I think about as right. I'm listening to these kind of things. If they're teaching kids how to handle these situations, is this. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it just comes back to what I've said many times in the past with a lot of these stories is it just brings up an opportunity for families to have discussions amongst themselves. And the parents use these as teaching moments to explain to their kids how they think things should be handled. You know, yeah. you know, this is entertainment. It does have a moral. There are lessons to be learned, but you don't necessarily have to take you know, a particular character stands as gospel truth for your your life, I guess, is what, I'm, what yeah. the point is. I mean, because, yeah, the only only thing I have to relate to is my, relate to is my own life. And, like, I was I was being bullied at, at school at one point in time, and I was finally tired of it. And, you know, this one particular kid would be pushing me or whatever. And then my dad's response was just push him back. Yeah. And so I did, and it stopped it. 
Well, like, how are we going to teach that in audio drama? You know, like, there was no getting the teacher involved and all this. You know, it, no, it was done. It was dealt with. I stood up for myself and it was done. Yeah. It, you know, and well, whatever, you know. So. Well, now that you mentioned that. This 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 leads on to a whole lot. <laughs> I don't know if I want to open this bucket of worms, but <laughs> that's the only thing I have to relate to. Yeah, you know? but that makes me think of an audio drama that does show that, and that is that Quetzalcoatl audio drama. Remember oh, that? Yeah, that opens with the kid getting right. bullied, and he does fight back. Yeah, yeah. So hey, there are examples yeah. <laughs> that have that kind of stuff going on. <laughs> Parents use discretion. Yes. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Please ask your parents before taking advice of any audio drama. <laughs> hey, we're just we're just saying the way we see things. Yeah. <laughs> now, one more little thing, that, uh, and this is a sound design thing, and that was the sound effect for Jack's growling stomach in that one scene. Mm. It was so loud. <laughs> and I'm like, that is... Isn't that way too loud? I didn't know what to think about it. Yeah, I, I didn't know what to think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Because there have been times I have heard my own stomach growling pretty, you know, it has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one one final thing that's a, a little bit of a critique, and that is uh, there were several times similar to those scenes that were kind of telegraphed where you can kind of see where things are going there were also instances of the dialogue that was kind of like that. It was just kind of on the nose. Like in one particular scene, one of the kids says, um, oh, I didn't know he could swim like that. And uh, another one says, uh, Jack should have went to see his sister. And another one says, well, no, he had to stay for this reason. And it's like, did we need to have all of that spelled out in the dialogue? Uh, Can't we pick that up this, sure. from the subtext of what's going on? And then another point was, and I'm not going to say who because I don't want to spoil this, but you know, so and so died on my father's watch. You know, it's like it was pointing out this thing just in case the audience didn't pick up on it. Yeah, and it was like, I think we gathered that from what's going on, and again, subtext. There was just a few little instances like that where it was just kind of on the nose in the dialogue. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because, again, none of these things that I've mentioned so far have been like huge red yeah. flags like this is terrible. You know, <laughs> It's just little things like this yeah. that just stand out to me that I think, was that necessarily the best way to do that? I don't know. Did you pick up on that at all or – yeah, especially the first part that you talked about. He needs to stay here because it's forgiveness or he needs to learn forgiveness or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, I already didn't know that. I know that's why he had to stay there. But to actually like say what everybody is thinking, I don't know. It might help. And I'm just thinking this just now. It might help the younger audience like understand what's happening. Because you know how when you go back and listen to something, I, I'm encountering that even still, I'll go back and listen to something I, did, I listened to when I was a kid. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. Oh, I didn't realize this is what they, you know, they yeah. meant or whatever. And this, because it's being spelled out, it might make it clearer for younger listeners to understand what's happening. Oh, he needed to say that, you know, out loud. A young person might not already be like thinking that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I gathered from that is, you know, it's not, it's not like one of those. 
like sound design things like, you know, that we talked about where they like are explaining like the sound effect happening. Or right, right. It's not that. It's different. Yeah. yeah, it's different. But I think what I think it is, it's it's helping a younger listener understand what's happening. Whereas you and I, we can sure pick up on it right away. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. It does seem like it's not something that is usually present in the Lamplighter theaters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I if this was like Paws and Tails or Kids Corner or, or something like that, it wouldn't even oh, register to me. Yeah, like, okay. I would expect something like that maybe a little uh, bit more in something that I know is aimed at a uh, younger demographic or like The Pond or something like that, you know. But maybe I, I'm just too nitpicky on that one. Well, and it but, sounded to me like a line out of the book. Like I could, I could see possibly, that being yeah. in the book, you know, that, that very well could be. Well, do you have any other, uh, critiques? No, no okay. more. <laughs> so we're done with that part. <laughs> hey, we're talking about it. It always means you should go buy it. You should go listen to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Cause there are definitely things in it that was really, really well oh, done. Yeah. And this next part was one of my favorite moments and that was uh, this conversation between Cyril and Jack. And there was just a couple of lines that jumped out at me because it's something that has been kind of running through my head a lot lately. Mm. And it's something that I just talked with Phil Lawler about in our episode this past summer in July uh, about story yeah. and how important understanding how story works and how we can relay that to our lives. And so it's something that's kind of been – just being mulled over in my mind a lot lately. And then when I had that conversation with Phil, it just kind of crystallized a lot of things. And so it's been like at the forefront. And so now I pick up on any kind of little reference to that. So I don't know if this is something that was in the original book or if this is something that is coming from Mark Hamby, because I know that he's all about story. And I know that Phil has taught at the Guild. Uh. So- I don't know how much of this is, you know, working behind the scenes or if yeah. this is all from the source material, but it jumped out at me as just a beautiful little turn of phrase. And so I wanted to play this little clip here, Cyril talking to Jack about this very concept of the story that God is writing with our lives. But that's not the way God wrote the story. The story? Well, the one God is writing about all of us. Your father, your sister, Harold and I, we're all part of it. But sometimes we don't like the new chapter we've entered. I'll say. Ah, isn't that the case? Yeah, yeah. The chapter we've entered. Yeah. So good. And it's like, as Phil said in that interview, remember where you are in the story. This is not the end of the story. Yeah. Like Cyril said, you know, you might not like the chapter where you're at right now. Yeah. But remember where you are in the story. You know, it's just... I love that whole concept, you know, yeah. it's just beautiful. The author loves their characters. Mm. I can't remember who said that. I don't know if it was Kathy or I don't know if it was Phil or, or Richard Paul Evans. Some, some author said that always, he said, an author loves their characters. And that's just always stuck with me, even through this whole album 78 crisis that everyone was freaking out. <laughs> but uh, God loves us. And yeah. he's, the, he's the author of our story. He loves his characters. He loves his people. And we know that this whole concept, it does go back all yeah. the way to, to God. Exactly. But it's been around in art for, for yeah. a long time too. So right. this is not new to like audio drama. Because right. 
Shakespeare talks about that, ah. right? All the world is a stage. Yeah, like, yeah. He's talking about life is a story. Right. That's basically what he's saying there, yeah, right? Yeah. So this is an old, old concept, but kind of packaging it for a, a new modern audience yeah. through an audio drama, it's really cool. And that's what I love about story is I'm always on the lookout for the the lessons or just the truths that I can glean from a story. Yeah. People who shun fiction, I don't understand them. Cause I I've known people in my life who are like, oh, I don't read I don't read fiction books, you know. I don't have time for novels. I I'll, I I just read, you know, nonfiction. Well, okay, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But yeah. I think it makes your life much richer to read and listen to these stories because you can learn from fiction. Right. I mean, this concept, again, it goes back to the greatest storyteller of all time. Yeah. As Philip Glassborough said at the Seneca's this right. year. Right. You know, the parables of Jesus are still being told today. Right. And not just that, the stories from the Old Testament. Right. Kids grow up all over the world hearing from a young age about Noah and the ark. In church or out of church. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, David and Goliath. Yeah. These are things that are just permeated culture in right. general. Right. Because they're stories and God uses story to teach us and to tell us about himself. Yeah. So it's so powerful. And that's, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I love audio drama so much. Yeah. That was a little bit of a tangent, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Well, another line that I really, really loved was when things kind of take a little bit of a turn towards the end, Jack is talking to Harold and he says, calling out to God won't change your past but it will change your future. Yes. I'm like, oh, Ooh, man. That's another good line. There. Yes, yes. That line stuck with me too. I, I don't know. I heard that like, wow, that's really good. I don't know. It stopped me. Yeah. It stopped, stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> yep. In fact. <laughs> like, wow, that's really good. Yeah, it, it just, you know, just how our minds work. I just started thinking how God plants a new seed, you know, the old life has passed away. Like the whole story about a worm turning into a butterfly and, and – and all that stuff just started rushing through my mind. Like the past is still there, but the future is going to be changed. It's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Just all the, just all those analogies just start running through my mind when I heard that little phrase. That's so good. In fact, on um, the second time I was listening to this, I, I backed it up just so yeah. I could hear that scene again. Because yeah. I was like, ooh, I like that so much. It's a good way to package it. Yeah. yeah. And we won't go into all of the details about the ending because- Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> There were a lot of little twists at the end, and I just really loved how it all kind yeah. of got wrapped up. Yeah, it was nice just bow on top. Yeah. yeah, the the ending was really fun. A couple of little things that I didn't see coming, and uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, that that just it just fits. It 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 felt right. Yeah, you know. Yep, exactly. And then that takes us back to the bookend, and again we had another long one. It was about seven and a half minutes on the end. So. Yep. Uh, over 17 minutes total bookend out of this, out of an hour and a half. Yeah. So that's pretty substantial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we talked about the rooms, the different rooms in the Exploratorium earlier. And now in this uh, kind of classroom world that he has, there is 
the principal's office, yeah. not the principal, P-A-L, but the principal, P-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> just cracked me up. Yeah. I loved it. Which is interesting that he took him to another room to like finalize the lesson. Because usually they just stay in that one place. It was a twist, yeah. of, twist of the bookend, which is yeah. neat. Yeah. And it still ends with a mystery. Yeah. So there's still something going on there that has not been resolved. I kind of feel like, you know how like there's these podcasters, they do like this like show and, and then at, at the end of like five years, they come out with a book, like with the, the whole show. It's just like the show transcribed. And this is, it's, they're just going to take like all the bookends and make one massive show. They're just going to pile it all together and it's going to be this giant, uh, its own show on itself. <laughs> it's yeah. a show on its own. Well, so maybe because remember years ago they said they were going to do an episode or yeah. not an episode, a but Finney a production Jones. that was all about Finian. Yeah, maybe they decided to scrap that and just sprinkle it into yeah. the bookends all throughout or something. Yeah, and then you know, you know, a few years down the road, we're going to take all those bookends and just patch it all together, and we're going to have this nice two-hour-long story about Finian. <laughs> I'd be fine with yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, if Odyssey can take all the Blackard episodes hey. and make a collection or yeah. whatever, like why not do that here? Yeah, because. That could work. Because the story, the book, the book story has nothing to do with the Finian story. I mean, you could cut that part out and, and leave the characters. You could leave even, you know, the interaction and everything. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. They used to be a little bit more connected sometimes mm -hmm. in the earlier days. Because yeah. remember, a lot of times they would use, like, the main kid character from the bookend would also play the main kid in the right. main story. Right. They haven't done that in a while, have they? Mm-mm. But- Bottom line is Lamplighter Theater is still doing some amazing audio drama. Yes. Yeah. And I'm a fan. I yeah. Mean, what can I say? <laughs> yeah. King Jack. A lot of fun. And it was kind of nice to have a, a, a bit of a regular length one. Yeah. Because I could listen to it multiple times right. over. The Hidden Hand, <laughs> it, it was a – I don't want to say it was a chore, but it was like <laughs> – you have to have a chunk of time yeah, set do. aside. Otherwise, you're breaking it up over multiple days, and that's not as fun. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, Great work from Lamplighter. Link is in the show notes. As always, if uh, you would like to get your copy of King Jack from Lamplighter Theater. Well, I'm really happy to bring to the show today Caleb Bressler, who is a, a newer entrant into the uh, audio drama acting world. And I thought it would be interesting to get some perspectives from somebody who's just getting going in the space and kind of share a little bit about his journey so far, maybe some of his aspirations, where, where he's looking to go with this with this career, and, um, and a little bit about his experiences working on a recent Lamplighter Theater. He played the role of Harold in King Jack, which is why he's on this episode, because we just finished reviewing that one. So, Caleb, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Well, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned uh, earlier in the uh, in the episode, you may recognize his voice because he did the uh, read the credits for ATC in a in a past episode. But like I said, I thought it would be interesting to just kind of get some of your perspectives. And you know, we do have listeners who are aspiring to get into the space as well, and uh, it's it's good to hear from people from all different stages of this of this journey. So can you tell us a little bit about how you get started, how you first got interested in voiceover? Did you have any prior acting experience? So basically I grew up listening to audio dramas, most, most of all adventures and odyssey. And so uh, that was sort of a catalyst of, you know, I, I of course had the 
uh, idea of, oh, that would be neat to be in that someday. But I, I wouldn't say I necessarily even thought about being a voice actor initially, you know, when I was a kid and really until college. So mainly me and my siblings would do things like we would, you know, do our own audio plays with uh, and friends and, and us would do audio plays for fun. And we would, you know, do recreate scenes from Odyssey and uh, that type of thing. So, you know, practice that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do some when I was r- uh, really young, I did some th- uh, theater production and my mother's a director. So, you know, a, a little, we, ha- you know, you sort of have a little bit of that background. So that's sort of how I, I got started into it. And, um, and then, of course, in college, I actually thought about being an actual voice actor as opposed to before where I didn't really, I kind of did stuff for fun, but I, I didn't necessarily think about it. Mm. And so I did, th- you know, I kind of did things between college and now here and there. I, I did work with a local production company, but it's really been really just within the past year, I really started focusing on actually doing voice acting. So was there a particular moment when you were in college that you it just suddenly hit you? Okay, this, this is what I want to do. Or what, what was the impetus for that? I don't remember a particular moment or like an epiphany or anything. Um it was just sort of at, at one point or another, I was thinking of that as, oh, this might be a, a direction I could go in. But I don't remember specifically when that was. So have you had any kind of cool gigs outside of audio drama, any fun commercials or anything like that that you've done? Oh, yeah. Um, I've been working on uh, video games. That's actually one of my mm. my focuses. So usually kind of audio dramas and video games are mainly what I've been I've been doing. So yes, I, I've done a number of different, um, you know, independent audio dramas and, and also am uh, involved with several games as well. So yes. So you said you've listened to audio drama since you were a kid, you know, the, the big one that everybody knows, and you already mentioned it, Adventures in Odyssey, any others that uh, you enjoyed listening to growing up? So our one local radio station was pretty much the one that did all the audio dramas. So um, of course, Odyssey. They had like Down Gilead Lane. Uh, a pause and Tales was on for a little bit. Of course, I've heard you know Focus on the Family Radio Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had like Bookshop Adventures. They had Ranger Bills. They had kind of a plethora of different things that I would you know that we were exposed to. Yeah, uh, when we were listening to the station. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with all of those. I grew up listening to all of those as well. So you you listen to a lot of Odyssey. Do you have a favorite character or a particular episode that you really like a lot? I would say my favorite character is Connie. Um, she's just, I feel like a, a relatable character and just very entertaining. And uh, just her delivery is really good. As far as favorite episode, I don't know if I have a favorite episode. I mean, there's many good ones. Um, of course, when I was uh, like in, I guess, before middle school, but that's when the Novacom thing the whole saga was coming out which i was obsessed with at the time mm-hmm. so um but i really like dr blackard anything like all the blackard ones i think he's a really really good villain um, absolutely he did a really good job so i mean i like those as well but there's so many good ones i don't think i could pinpoint one exactly no don't feel bad because I, I get that question a lot and I'm, I'm the same way i'm like Okay, well, which genre are we talking about? Are we talking about a comedy? Are we talking about a mystery? <laughs> then I might be able yeah, to do exactly. that. But... <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Well, let's let's go back to uh, 
when you first started hearing about Lamplighter, how did you first hear about the uh, casting call for for this particular production of King Jack? So actually, I was uh, I had heard they uh, our radio, the radio station again, the one that does all the audio dramas, had switched their programming schedule, and so I had heard a Lamplighter production on there, and so naturally I was thinking, oh, I wonder if they have auditions. Which at the time I first heard them, they did not. Mm-hmm. So. It was actually one night I was about to go to bed and I was like, oh, I'm going to check and see you know, on their website if they if they have an open casting call. And lo and behold, there was the open casting call. Nice. So I was I was thinking, I said, you know, I'm just going to do this right now. Just record the auditions, just send them in. And so I did. And then I ended up um, hearing back and getting a role. So walk us through that. How, how did that how did that play out? Did you get a phone call? Was it an email? So first, what they did was they sent uh, an email, and I don't, and I don't remember exactly all the wording and everything. But yes, it was an email first. They were like, "Oh, I, we got, we really like these two characters you did. Uh, would you want to read for this other one?" Which, of course, I said yes. And um, so I sent those in, and then they said, "You know, we're gonna, we'll get back to you in, you know, by." the weekend or whatever it was. Well, they actually got back to me the next day and said, you know, that was via email, you know, giving me the role. And then I actually did speak with them over the phone after that. Um, so what went through your mind there when you first got the word that you were cast in the role? Oh, well, needless to say, I was very excited about that because you kind of go through when you initially submit role, or, you know, auditions, you kind of always have this sort of, you know, optimistic outlook as you know i not that necessarily you will get a role but you can get it at least um but then of course as you know obviously you don't hear back right away from casting calls so as time kind of went on and i was and it wasn't that long but it can you know you kind of start like oh i i don't think i'm gonna get this or whatever so um when you do it's you know it's very exciting sure yeah now i mentioned you know we do have listeners who are kind of looking at at this as a possibility for themselves too you mentioned something a moment ago that I think is really important because I've experienced the same thing myself. And that is when you hear back and they say, we like this, but how about you read for this? That is, that's something you always say, yes, you, you never get your heart set on, I absolutely have to play X character, you know? So what is another, maybe a, a little tip that you've learned from from your experience so far that uh, you might want to share with uh, with somebody who's considering getting into this or maybe is in the early stages? Well, one thing is, um, and, and again, people, you always hear this, but sometimes you have to actually experience it to kind of remember. But just because you don't get a role in one thing doesn't necessarily mean that won't open doors for something else. Because um, I, I had one thing I had auditioned for a, it's quite a while ago, and I didn't hear back. You know, I didn't get the role, whatever. But then recently I had, you know, reached out to the person regarding something else and they actually remembered the audition from way back when that I did. And we're like, oh yeah, we, you know, we really like this, but we, we went a different way with the role. So even though you didn't, you know, I didn't get the, that particular role, you never know, you know, later on who's, who's listening to it and who might, you know, that may have left an impression on someone. So just because you don't get a role doesn't, you know, don't necessarily be too disappointed all the, because it can lead to other things. And um, also, I think sometimes, um, you know, obviously when you're submitting for roles, most of the time you don't get them. Um, you know, that's just kind of the way the sure. show business is. 
but uh, and it can be discouraging, and you can kind of sometimes start doubting yourself. It's like, well, am I really, you know, am I not good at this or whatever? And uh, just because you're not getting, you know, tons and tons of roles every audition you send in, does not mean you're not talented. You know, uh, there's it's talent on some level has in in terms of getting cast sometimes is a lot smaller of a of a consideration to the casting director than you may think. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's they it may just be your voice for some reason just isn't uh, quite what they're looking for. It just might not, there might be someone in the cast with a similar voice. There might right. be so many reasons that they're that they're going with some. So it's not necessarily oh you're bad or you're you don't aren't talented. Sometimes it's just you're just not what they were looking for for that particular role or and a lot of times i think sometimes what's when people pick actors and uh, there's sometimes just nuances that you can't plan it's just part of who you are the, the, you don't even intentionally put them into your performance it's just part of you and and you can't plan for that so there's only you know all you can do is do the best for your audition and kind of that's it um and and just cuz you don't get the role does not mean you failed or anything else. It just means for whatever reason, you weren't right for that role. So it's not getting too caught up in all of that. You just do the best you can for that role and kind of move on. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. I agree with that 100%. So now this cast was a, a fairly small cast because many of these actors, including yourself, were playing multiple characters. Now I have met a couple of them. I've met Daniel Cross. I've met Jess Harnell. There are some some really talented people in this cast, but I would like to know who is the funniest member of the cast. Not the character, but just uh, hanging out with uh, with the cast members. Who was the funniest person? Um, I probably say probably Daniel Cross is the the, the funniest person in in terms of um, you know being funny. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's the best answer <laughs> I can give with that. Yeah, that's one. Well, let's let's jump into this character of Harold. Um, he's an interesting character, and we may get a little bit into spoiler territory, but that's okay because we've already reviewed this production, so we're not going to you know give away any major things. But if you want to go into a little bit, that's fine. But uh, tell us a little bit about this character. H how would you describe Harold? Um, well, he he's not really someone I, I don't think most people would want to be friends with. Um, he's a very manipulative, sneaky, rude, and just bad-tempered person. So he's not anyone anyone's going to like. Um <laughs> so that's sort of that's sort of how he he comes how he comes off, which which of course you can see why he'd be the antagonist. Right. So is there any particular line in in a scene with Harold or one that Harold delivered that you really liked? I mean, he had a lot of, uh, again, he's not the greatest, uh, most likable character. So uh, it could be a, a really nice burn too, if you want. <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if I had a, a particular line. I mean, naturally he had lots of, you know, lines where he was being obnoxious, which, um, you know, th those are, are fun to do. So, I, I mean, usually the most fun lines are when he's just being his obnoxious self. Because um, obviously, you know, the bad guys are always, are always fun to play. Yeah. Well, was it difficult at all for you to kind of get into that headspace of of being a bully? I mean, there's one scene in particular that really was like a it, it was more, it went beyond just being a jerk, but it really went deeper into 
I don't know, just a different level of animosity almost. And that was uh, when when something happens to our hero or our king, King Jack, his uh, sister. And basically, Harold's like, hey, you know, I don't care. That's you deserved it, basically. And but it, I mean, it was it wasn't that flippant. It was very he, he stopped and thought about it for a little bit. And he's like, yeah. You know, I, I'm sure you know which scene I'm talking about, but um, yeah. how was that for you to try to get into that, into that character like that? Um, I mean, I'm thinking about this because I was going to say it wasn't particularly difficult just to be obnoxious and make him just a, a nasty person, um, which I guess maybe that doesn't sound good. Um, you're since you're just acting. I mean, it's it's not like you're actually being a, a mean, vindictive person to someone. So. It was just sort of the way the character was. I sort of had a feel for the character, so it wasn't difficult to to have them be, you know, nasty and rude and you know, and and the whatever person they are, because um, that's just sort of the character. And it was the way he was sort of just lent himself to being that way. If that makes sense, I don't know if that's a great answer, but sure. No, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, before before we head out the door, I have a sort of a fun question here and uh you can kind of go back to your your days of listening to adventures and odyssey and if if you had just stepped into wit's end uh what is it that you're going to order well the one the only thing that's coming immediately to mind is the wad fam chalk sod <laughs> i feel like there was something else with like a cherry some cherry chocolate thing but i don't i don't remember what that was now so i guess it would be the wad fam chalk sod hey you can't go wrong with a chocolate soda right <laughs> True. <laughs> that is true. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. Appreciate you taking time to uh, talk with us and share a little bit about your experience. And we hope to hear you in, in more audio dramas very soon. Well, yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I hope to hear me in more audio dramas too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always love hearing from you. So if you have any feedback or thoughts on anything that we covered in this episode, We'd love to hear from you. Head over to audiotheatercentral.com slash contact for all the different ways to get in touch with us. You can always give us a call or send a text message to our feedback line, which is 623-688-2770, 623-688-2770. Add us to your contacts so you can always uh, shoot over some, some feedback whenever you want. And our email inbox is always open, feedback at audiotheatercentral.com. And of course, show notes for this episode with links to everything that we've addressed here is at audiotheatercentral.com slash 173. The song at the top of the review segment is Humble King by Brenton Brown from his 2008 album titled Because of Your Love. Thanks again to actor Caleb Bressler for joining us on the show. To all of our American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you have a wonderful time with friends and family. Hopefully you'll eat a lot. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, this is Josh Winnickelson from Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. Audio Theater Central is a production of Porchlight Family Media. The theme music was composed by Sam Avendano. The show is produced and edited by J.D. Sutter. Find the website at audiotheatercentral.com. Okay, so 
Hang in there, y'all. We got a list of jokes here to cover to make up for all the lost time we've made <laughs> we've had together. <laughs> all right. We've got a good group of king jokes here. Because King Jack, of course, we've got to have king Perfect. jokes. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, the a king is like a piece of wood. Oh, is it? Yeah. He's a ruler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who was strong enough to move the king's castle? I don't know. The chess player. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one. Who designed King Arthur's round table? I don't know. Circumference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What medieval king wrote books? King Arthur? Yeah, there you go, JD. Oh, yeah. King Arthur. <laughs> okay. What does the king do on his throne? Uh, he sits on it? Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the king have a round table? I don't know. So he wouldn't be cornered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did the king name the extra knight? Saturday? Uh, surplus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was going to be a play on words in I-G-H-T and not uh, K-N-I. Where do the kings get crowned? On the checkerboard? On their heads. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Last one. Why were there so many old chairs in the king's castle? I don't know. They were never thrown out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, now you have it. Your medieval or kingly jokes for the month. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Great stuff. Porchlight Family Media. Your source for family-centered content. Porchlightfamilymedia.com.